Podcast 99 with Ryan Lichten here. Today I have another Survivor story. We're pretty much only going to be doing Survivor stories from now on on this show because we've done everything we possibly could to cover the festival on our own. So now it's just about hearing from the folks that were there. Um, today we have a, a very fun guest. This is Nordog, a.k.a. Ron Miller. He went to Woodstock 99. He is in one of possibly the most were one of the most iconic photos taken uh, on the grounds at, at Woodstock 99, the silhouette of the man in front of the fire with his arms raised high. Um, amazing, fun stuff here. So we're just going to jump into it. This is our interview with Nordog. Ron Nordog. That's right. Ron Nordog Miller. That's me. All right. Hell yeah, man. Well, welcome to Podcast 99. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk to you today. Um so how did you hear about the show? About the Woodstock itself? No, 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 no. About about our show. Oh, about your podcast. Yeah. Um, I just happened to be going through, I think it was uh, uh, one of the podcast groups, and, or not podcast, one of the Woodstock 99 groups I'm in, and I saw you guys with some stuff posted up. All right. Well, I'm glad that, uh, that you reached out. So... You know, we, you know how we like to do it here. We like to start from from the top and just work our way in. I do know a bit of the backstory of of your story here, but I'm going to act like I don't. Um, so the year is 1999. They announced the festival. What's going on in your life at that point? When did you know you were going? Let's let's set it up. Okay, so uh, basically, I was living in Daytona Beach, Florida. That's my hometown. Living with a good friend of mine who had just gotten a kind of a lump sum and a um, and a uh, like an inheritance thing. And, uh, you know, we saw it, of course, advertised on television, MTV. I forgot who was advertising it. And, of course, first thing was, oh, we're going. That's it. We're going. And, you know, he set that ball in motion. And, you know, at my time, uh, what I was doing at that, that time of my life, surfing a lot. I surfed a hell of a lot during that, that point in my life. And, um, you know, me and Yes Man, Eric Metz, and Richard Mish Petty. Uh, Michigan's is his nickname for obvious reasons. He's Richard Petty's his real name. So. <laughs> I, I'm loving this. Like, like first of all, I love whenever anyone tells a story and they tell me the first and last name of people they were with. I feel like it's just like a funny thing. But I also love that all you guys have nicknames. Oh yeah, yeah, we all do. That's just that's just part of Daytona. I think you know, growing up there, living there, whatever. You just kind of they they come to you. Obviously, um, well, my buddy Eric, yes man, he's a huge yes fan, and uh, <laughs> so that kind of stuck to him. And um, Michigan, obviously, named Richard Petty. He, uh, I guess, somewhere down the line, somebody was um, uh, saying, you know, they, they couldn't really call him that or whatever, so they just started dubbing him Michigan because he was from Michigan. Right. And uh, so it kind of stuck. As far as even Nordog, you know, it's a bit of a wild story in itself. I was working at Hooters Daytona, and, you know, we partied a lot. It was like, 
you know, uh, spring break 365, 24 seven, man. Have it. And, uh, it was quite a, quite a, <laughs> quite a great start to my adult life. Let's put it that way. And it's the early nineties. And, um, you know, we were, <laughs> we were tripping on acid at work. Not that I condone <laughs> people doing that, but we were tripping on acid at work. So we were saying everybody's names backwards. And, oh my uh, God. So Ron became Nor, and then Dog got thrown on, and it stuck. So and That's there it is, all amazing. these years later. Also, like I love how you said, like you don't condone it. Like you were working at a Hooters in Daytona. Like it's not like you're like a brain surgeon, you know, taking acid at work. Yeah, right, right. But still, you know, I don't condone people going and tripping at work. I'm just of putting course. that out there. Uh, I, don't uh, uh, I don't condone anything. Of course. Of, of course. People do their own thing. That's so, cool. So what, what kind of music were you into? Like, when you saw the lineup, like, what bands, like, got you guys really excited? Well, you know, for me, I was very eclectic anyway, and all of us pretty much were. You know, we're talking about a guy that was, you know, Eric, who was into Yes and that kind of progressive rock and that kind of thing and more of that 80s stuff. And, um, you know, Mish, he was a little bit older than us. He was a, 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 a lead head, I would say, and a deadhead. Um, but we all were into all kinds of music. Me, myself, I grew up in a very eclectic household, you know, from Frank Zappa to Van Halen to, you know, I mean, I can go on and on and on with that kind of thing. So music to me has always been very important. That's a whole other story I could get into for another day. But um, uh, so for me, you know, I was into metal a lot. At, in my early adult life and then i kind of progressed into other things a little bit of uh techno at the time and uh, of course a little bit of that uh the the hip-hop of that era and um uh and then of course new metal came about and kind of blended everything and it was perfect you know me and my friend mish we had already been through dead shows i've been through many many dead shows i can't even remember how many i'd been to and so I was kind of used to like the big crowd scene anyway. And right. being in Daytona Beach, you know, growing up there, you know, spring breaks. I mean, I've seen so much wild stuff and 200,000 people, 300,000 people on the beach. I mean, just craziness anyway. So this was just like, OK, this is another feather in our hat. So, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to talk to you on our other show Um culture dumps because we just did a big episode about the history of spring break so we'll have to do like a bonus episode with oh your, hell your, yeah your daytona oh i would love there. to oh my god i could tell you stories uh, there definitely would be rated r for uh, sure. <laughs> well i mean that's kind of our brand uh, x-rated i'll be honest some yeah. of the stories i can tell you stories that blow your damn mind things that people were doing oh i i, I believe it so so you know how did you guys like get how did you get there to, to woodstock or like like let, let, let's, we, let, let's hit the road now Okay, so you know we got our, we got our, everything in the row. Um, you know we spent like three days rolling up a duffel bag of doobies <laughs> <laughs> on the way. <laughs> I mean, literally three days rolling doobies. Uh, so we we rode up in my friend Michigan's Ford Taurus, like a, a early '90s Ford Taurus. So this thing was jam packed with everything, including all the bugs that were in the car too. Right, and uh, you know. We, uh, I think we spent 22, 22 and a half hours, I think, and Mish drove most of the way. It was his car, and I didn't have a license at the time. You know, I was a surfer. I didn't didn't need any of that stuff right. at the time. So, um, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of driving while I'm talking to you. Give me just a second. Oh, yeah, no worries. Yeah, but please be careful, Nordog. Yeah, I kind of I kind of forgot you guys were calling me until about – 20 minutes ago and i'm like oh my god and me and the wife had some things we had to do so we're running around oh it's, it's all good don't worry I'll, I'll clip it in post i figured so 
we drove up there, spent uh, 22 and a half hours driving up there. I think we might have made like two stops. We stopped at a, um, a uh, I don't know what they're called up there. They were, they were called Big Lots and Zares down here, I think. I think they were Ames or something up that way in Pennsylvania. And that's where I got like in that picture, you see me holding the water bottle in front of the bonfire. That's where we picked up that drink. Okay. Was there. So that was like the only stop we made. That Oh, no, I take it back. We stopped at a gas station in Pennsylvania and got the best pizza I ever had in my life, even better than New York pizza. I don't know how they did it. <laughs> this gas station in the mountains, how they could top New York City pizza, but they damn sure did. Wow. Excellent. That, I love that. So, that's like, like, I mean, already I'm, I'm like thoroughly enjoying the highlights, whether it be the duffel bag full of doobies or the best pizza oh, ever yeah. coming from a gas station in oh, Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah, like, man. This, this is shaping up to be a, a pretty good story. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, and, and if you get a hold of Yes Man, I think he was uh, going to reach out to you guys, too. He's just got so much going on. I think he's in D.C. this week or something like that. But um, so, you know, we, we get up there, and, of course, we find the the, uh, the place to buy the tickets, and we're just blown away. It was this little farmhouse, and um, uh, they were 180 bucks, I think. And so we were kind of, you know, back then, that was a hell of a lot of money, man. We are like damn 180 bucks for a ticket but it was worth it to us you know because it had every band that we ever really wanted to see and we listened to kid rock the whole entire way up there we just put that that devil out of cause just just repeat 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 all the way up there we knew every word by the time we got up there and a funny story about that uh when i first heard kid rock on the radio i'm like what the hell is this shit i'm not about this at all and turned out he he was like my favorite act there right. so we we listened to them all the way up there listen to his album and uh drove mish nuts because he's a little bit older than us so of course he's just like again <laughs> <laughs> well and he's from but, michigan though the kid rocks like that yeah, that should have right, been his right, boy right. yeah but being his age you know he's he's probably uh about 15 years older than oh me yeah no he was eric, not excited eric. then yeah no, no. <laughs> and eric was maybe five years or so older than, than myself as well so i was the youngest one of the bunch and um so i was totally into all that stuff corn all that shit man i mean it, we jammed to all that all the time we lived in like a house across the street from the beach we had speakers like amped up everywhere through the whole place so everybody knew when we were getting up and getting pumped to go surf or whatever because we'd throw on some corn or you know, Kid Rock or whatever. So, but yeah, um, you know, we get up there, we get our tickets, we're just like blown away. And it was the only clean porta potty the whole weekend was this one outside the farmhouse. I'm like, I better use it now because we had no idea what we were facing when we got there. Yeah. And as we got closer towards the site, you know, then we ran into the traffic jam. And, um, you know, that was just unbelievable in itself and again you know i've been to big dead shows i've been to all kinds of stuff you know one of the, my first major concerts was grateful dead in um in washington dc and there were like 200 300 people there for that but the traffic wasn't nothing like going into woodstock that was just like miles of of just standing still and everybody walking around getting out of the cars walking around now what was, you know it's kind of like the parking lot party right what was this like friday or was this the was this the thursday before um, this was actually thursday before we got there earlier thursday and um we were there probably i don't i don't remember what time we got our tickets it was around noon or so noon or one o'clock i think something like that and um maybe even just a hair earlier but 
um, you know, once we got, so we were there ahead of a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people are still coming in, but, um, we were there early enough to see the George Clinton birthday party and all that stuff. You know, we got our tents set up and there, you know, we, we got to see the Mohicans, um, bless the site and all that. And I'm native American. So it was like really big to me to be able to experience that and see them out there doing that. Right. So well, as you guys get in, you know, and you're setting up your tent, finding your, your, your campsite, like, what what was your uh, initial impression of the whole scene? Um, getting there, it was kind of like cool. Everybody was still, you know, in that happy mode of, you know, hey, what's up? You know, seeing friends from distant places you hadn't seen in a while or, you know, like you said, touring with the dead or whatever. You run into people because there's a lot of that flavor there. And I think everybody was kind of expecting it to be a little bit more like that. And um, so the first day or so was actually really enjoyable. I'll be honest, you know, it was still clean. You know, we still had a little money. Everything was kind of kind of good. We still had a duffel bag full of doobies. So we were happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like, so, so you watched George Clinton on that on that Thursday. You, you got in. I mean, obviously, there was a lot of people there, but not anywhere close what it was going to be. Now, oh, no. Now, waking up on Friday let's let's go for it what what's your first actual day of woodstock 99 like for you and your well, i have a little story i want to tell about the um the george clinton oh, thing absolutely. we yeah, got yeah. up pretty close to the stage like right there at it and um you know it's bootsy's birthday so they were passing doobies and bootsy was standing right there and totally passed me a doobie and we passed it back and forth like two or three times so what? that's one of my celebrity smoke stories you know, I, I got to smoke a Willie Nelson, not a Woodstock, but another story, another time, um, another place. I was really young. <laughs> My dad introduced <laughs> me to him. Um, and that's a story in itself. But um, uh, as far as the Bootsy thing goes, that just made my whole weekend. That really did. That was a great way to start it off. So as far as like vibe goes, you're saying that was like awesome to me to be able to start that whole weekend off with that particular thing now waking up friday morning um obviously in july it was hot as hell in the tent everybody's like oh already already drained from the heat and um once we got uh once we got up and got active i'm trying to think what did we do i think we went out to the town for a little bit and um once we uh, got into town, we got a few more provisions, things like that. Uh, yes, man, I was trying to sneak beer in, of course. Right. You know, because he's like, you know, as soon as he wakes up, he's got Budweiser in his hand. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's just him. But, uh, you know, once we uh, once we got into town, got back and all that stuff, and then we started to lay out the plans for what we were going to do uh, the rest of the day. Now, were you then, able to sneak stuff in easily? Like, what was, like, security check-in like for well, you guys? Obviously, we got the bag of doobies in. I don't know how the hell we managed that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I feel like weed is something that, like, you could almost guarantee that you could get into just about anywhere, uh, depending on yeah, the amount that you have. But alcohol right, well, is a little bit tougher, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. No, they weren't allowing any drinks or, or, or food in or any coolers or anything like that. And again, you know, I was really shocked that they let us get past with the with the bag there. <laughs> but um, otherwise, you know, Friday, we st once we got back, we milled around, checked out everything, tried to, to, to really strategically pinpoint where everything was and how we were going to get there. And, and, you know, that stage being a mile and a half apart 
with the hangers in between. There was so much to see and do. So it was almost overwhelming at first. Um, I can remember going to the uh, the little thrill seeker park thing they had set up with like the the mountain bike races and the BMX park and uh, skateboarding and rock climbing and all that stuff. I remember us us hanging around that for a little bit. And, of course, filming because Eric had one of the first Sony digital cameras that were released. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so, I mean, we were we were just filming everything. Um, in fact, we've got footage that we can't find that, that probably came from that first day there, some tapes and things that he had made. Oh, my God, it, uh, dude. Yeah, I know. I wish we would have had those first ones. But, um, you know, first day-wise, milling about just checking everything out. I can't remember who we saw. We didn't really see anybody right away. I remember seeing James Brown open. I do remember that. Okay, there's a little bit of fog there. So I do remember us going down. Um, we saw James Brown. Then we left. We went into town. We came back. And then that's when we milled about. And then I can remember we were getting closer to the evening. One of the bands I wanted to see, like, top bands i had to see was offspring i think were they friday i don't remember if they, friday yes, they, were. they, they, they yes, were yes they yeah. were friday yes because that's what drew drew uh, brought us over to see corn um i remember offspring playing off in the distance and of course being a surfer that was like theme music for most of the 90s for me totally. so it was like one of my one of my main things was to make it over there to see them and i could hear in the distance a couple of songs i'm like is that offspring and I guess Eric had, um, yes, man, hadn't had the times right or whatever. And he looks, he goes, oh, shit, that is him. So we, like, jumped up, like, dropped everything and started nearly speed walking, nearly running all the way to that, that stage to go see him. And um, I remember, you know, we were filming during that and we were flying through everything. And uh, we got there right at the very end, right at the last song. I was so pissed. But after that, that was probably the 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 uh the, the biggest downer of the weekend i would say for myself personally was missing offspring offspring but um once uh once corn came out we were hanging around or whatever we can hear you know i'll never forget the beginning of corn set that right. in the background blind. yeah yeah blind and hearing that off in the distance echoing around that whole place. And when I watch our video, it's so eerie. It's almost apocalyptic in some sense, because now there were already bad signs showing, you know, the, the piss and shit water and the little boards walking. And, you know, everybody used to walk across that. Right. Anybody that wanted to stay clean anyway. And um, some of the first uh, images we have in our video there of that night. And how we, close were you guys like in, in, in that, like, were you like back towards some of the delay towers or were you like in the thick of it? We were just outside the pit area, like where the pit would begin that first sound stage. Like, or like if you were um, standing on the stage, facing the crowd, that very first sound stage, light stage, as you see there, yeah. uh, we were maybe, you know, I want to say maybe 200 yards further out than that, maybe a little bit more, but not much. We were no way in no way, shape or form near the back, but being with Mish and Eric, they weren't really so much into getting into the pit. Now, had I been maybe a couple of years younger, I would have gone to the pit and never came out of the pit. I'd probably still be in the pit. Right. <laughs> Forever <laughs> they, in the they pit. They would have buried me under that sucker. But, um, uh, you know, so we kind of stood back and again, it was overwhelming the immensity of this place that, you know, those first 
day or so, I didn't want to lose my buddies because I'm like, man, I don't want to get lost. I'm, I can't remember how to get back to the tent. You know, I, I, I done that rat in the maze thing where I kind of like found little things that the reference points or whatnot to draw me back there to, um, back there to the tent. But right. again, I didn't really want to disappear too far from those guys, at least the first day or so. So I didn't go get in the pits too much until later. I think Metallica, we got really, we got really close to Metallica. And then on the West stage, I mean, we were over by that other stage. Many times I was really close to the stage. Throughout the weekend. So after Corn, you know, because again, that is like one of the gnarliest sets, if not the gnarliest, like of the whole weekend, really. Oh, yeah. You know, um, what do you do? I mean, did you stick around for Bush? Did you go to the other stage? Did you Um, check out the rave? We went and we started heading over, and that is when we kind of snuck or stuck a peek at the rave. Again, those two guys weren't really into that music so much. Um, me myself, I was just getting into that kind of music and I wanted so badly to hang around there. Uh, you know, a few years later in my life, I would have liked to have been there if you know what I'm saying. Cause then I was totally immersed into that music and that scene there for a little bit. And I just look back now and think, my God, why couldn't I have just spent Friday night in that hangar? It would have been the time of my fucking life. What was that and scene was, like compared to like what was, was going on outside of it? It was definitely a different vibe. You know, you know how that whole EDM vibe is. It's a little more loving. And honestly, it's a little more in connection with like the dead scene in a way. Yeah. You know, I can't really say they're the same, but there's like a similar vibe and color to it. And um, so it was very much so like that. So I was very like attracted to that. And I was trying to get, I knew Yes Man wasn't going to hang for it. I was trying to get mission. I'm like, dude, this is so much like the dead, bro. I mean, look at these people. You know, the only difference is instead of really, hairy, ugly, old hippie guys. It was a bunch of really hot, half-dressed, <laughs> beautiful young women. So right. I'm like, you know, let's weigh our options here. So, But we did. We poked our head in it for a minute and kind of milled about, and we made our way back to the tent. We were already exhausted from the trip. We hadn't gotten much sleep. It was so hot already. Um, so we kind of were like saving energy for Saturday. And uh, so we got back there. I can remember hearing Bush in the distance and thinking to myself, you know what? I bet you that's the I bet you that's an awesome scene right now. I wasn't so much into Bush at the time, you know, looking back, nostalgically speaking, of course, I'm like, oh, yeah, Bush, I love him. But then I wasn't so much into them. And um, but I regret not being a part of that scene because of everything that did happen. I don't know if you remember, but like MTV had to stop filming up on the knoll because it turned into like a 10,000 person orgy. Yeah. You know, you know, going I, I, I read that in, um, in, in the Rolling Stone, uh, issue about it. Yeah. They, like they said that, you know, if there was ever free love at, you know, in, in the purest sense of the word, not in like the free, because it's being taken, uh, you know, right, <laughs> free love exactly. at Woodstock 99, it was during Bush and they, they brought this much needed kind of like sexual energy, like positive sexual energy. Absolutely. And they did hands down. And I can remember that. And I remember everybody telling stories about what happened, you know, the next day stories about Bush. And I was kicking myself in the ass going, God, that was, you know, the whole part of the reason was coming was to go experience that whole free love aspect of everything. Not that, you know, that's necessarily a healthy thing to do, but right. But you know, when you're you're young, it's appealing. Now I'm 25 years old, man. And you know, for me, you know, I didn't, for me, I had two things I had to do in my life two things that were like bucket list things. One was WrestleMania. I got one of those. And the other was Woodstock. 
I had to go to a Woodstock, you know, because I yeah. watched all the videos and growing. My dad raised me. He was all into all that, you know, that kind of music. I can't say he was necessarily a hippie, so to speak. He was more of the one percent biker type guy, but um, but the he other was into side all of that the sixties. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And um, uh, so I always had an interest in that. So being at Woodstock was like a, a huge thing for me, and to miss the the most loving part of the whole weekend. You know, I was a little bummed out over that, but but that's neither here nor there because the next day, Saturday, made up tremendously for that with everything, you know, with um, – uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't even remember when we got up. Obviously, everybody was kind of awake by 10 o'clock because you couldn't sleep past that. It was just too damn hot. Right, yeah. Well, what yeah. was the campsite like? Because, I mean, you guys set up camp on Thursday, so by Saturday morning, like, how had it? how did it change? It had already – now, here's here's the story – there were people that I remember they set up their tent Thursday, Thursday evening, Friday morning, whatever. They set up their stuff and they never made it back to their tents the whole <laughs> weekend. They never found it. Their stuff was still sitting exactly the way it was like Sunday night. Scary. Yes, it was weird. It was really odd. You know, you're like, what happened to those people? You know, there have been a couple of, couple of hot chicks, you know, I'm, I'm scoping out and they just never came back. I'm like, damn it. You know, yeah, and, it's and, terrifying. and you're like. Yeah, it was. That's that's what I mean by the immensity of it. So you can imagine, like, that first day, I didn't want to walk away from my buds because I'm like, I don't want to lose my stuff. You know, these guys got the duffel bag of weed. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. Them. Yeah, yeah. St- yeah, stick with your buds and so, stick to your bud. I, I got to back up. Friday night, the only night we did any psychedelics, we were walking around, and we found a bag of mushrooms on the ground. And just in like our video, them? that's on, yeah, just laying there. It was like uh, it was a little more than an eighth of mushrooms. So there wasn't a lot to go between the three of us, but we really weren't looking to buy anything and to get that crazy. We just wanted to have a few drinks, smoke a lot of weed, meet me, meet women, and do that whole free love aspect of it, and uh, just see a lot of good bands and whatnot. So we find this bag of mushrooms, and in our uh, video that's on YouTube and whatnot, you can see where I'm actually holding some in my hand and eating them. Right, because you guys like have a week. very, very long video on up up there, correct? Yes, we do. Yeah, it's about two and a half, three hours long, I we think. Get, and it, people send it to us all the time. All the time. So many people have seen that, dude. <laughs> our video, I know. I think we're up to like 60,000 views now or something like that. Yeah. It's it's a minute. Uh, we I was blown away. I didn't expect that that many that quickly, but with this whole resurgence, of this Woodstock 99 thing, I guess everybody, you know, after the HBO documentary, everybody just started going and searching anything Woodstock 99. And of course that's one of the first ones that pop up is ours. Right. And he just posted that thing. Like, um, I'm thinking like, like back in April, I think. Yeah. I yeah. Think so it, when he it, put it, it up there. Relatively n- newer like one. That. Yeah. 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 And and we have some of the most views out of all of them. And it just blows my mind. And everybody loves it because it's all genuine footage. It's not like a documentary. It's not like some, you know, producer out there went around with a camera to film this no, thing. No, it's three it's guys that three found guys. mushrooms yeah. on the ground. Exactly. Bingo. <laughs> so, you know, we tripped that night. And, and that's why we're, because we were up really late. I remember now. And so Saturday, we didn't get up till like 10, 11 or so, if that. And milled about, and I can remember we made our way over Kid Rock. Obviously, it was that day. I think that was the first band we saw that day, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it, it was very yeah. early. He was the second person yeah. to play on the main stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, we got up and got our asses over there, drug our asses across the, that whole damn Air Force base, and um, you know, to me, 
Andy, that was the best show of the whole weekend. He just, he nailed it, man. I mean, it just, not just because we were really, he was like the new trendy thing and we listened to him for 22 and a half hours, none of that. It was just, he put on a damn good concert and I've seen a lot of concerts in my day and bar none, he, he's probably one of my favorite acts I've ever seen live. And um, just the energy was still good. Everybody was still happy. You could tell people were starting to get beat down a little bit. And, of course, you know, the, the whole site was getting messier and messier. Now you open up a porta potty and here's, like, shit and tampons and fucking everything else, like, piled up a foot off the toilet seat Oy. in a pile. People are getting, girls are squatting over it, you know what I mean? It was just so bad, like, standing up on the thing, trying to use the... The porta potty it was just horrible. Now, and now you've got all these people, you know, splashing around in it. And I'm like, do these people not understand what they're in? Yeah. You so, know. So how obvious was it? Like, like when you when you start seeing like, you know, and I mean, you're talking like early in the afternoon on Saturday when these porta potties oh, yeah. are unusable. Like, was it like super obvious to everyone that wasn't super fucked up that? There was shit water everywhere. Like, uh, you know, you would think that, but I think a lot of those people just had shit for brains. Literally. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, because you're looking at me, you're going, there's no way this guy can afford a beer or a bottle or anything, you know, and he's out here splashing around. He's got to have some kind of sensibility to him. He's got to have some kind of, you know, okay, logic. Okay, this is shit. I'm I'm two feet from a porta a line of porta potties. I'm standing I'm splashing around in liquid. Uh let's do the math. So I can't really say that a lot of those people were actually intoxicated. Some of them, <laughs> yes. But a lot of them, they were just straight. Just I think they were just trying to reenact ninety four. Right. And hoping it would get them some TV time or whatever, or some attention, who knows? And it just went on from there. Now, some of the people were pretty fucked up, and you could tell they were out there. They were on some shit. You know, I don't know how they made it um, around that whole site on the shit they were on. Right. You know, but, um, you know, it was it was getting worse. It was definitely getting worse by then. And after Kid Rock and everything and things started to settle down, I'm trying to remember Dave Matthews was that afternoon. So I think that was like the cool down and then Alanis Morissette. And I can remember we passed on Alanis. We watched Dave Matthews and we went back to the tent or went back to maybe it was the other stage. I don't remember where we went at that point. Um, and we eventually made our way back. Uh, we caught we caught Limp Biscuit and and then we got set up and everything. You know, Rage, of course, was fucking phenomenal. And Metallica, you know, they were my second favorite act there just because they played for so long. But right. that's when they were really getting crazy. Now, you know, all the bottles that flew around for Kid Rock and all that trash and stuff. It was actually the closer you got to the stage, the harder it was to actually walk because of all the garbage. And um, I can remember being Gary Metallica said being close enough to the stage, you know, that that there was literally a pile of garbage between the security wall and, you know, the audience. It was just so high. It was literally like six feet high, I can remember, in some places. And thinking, damn. And, of course, all the plywood and everything from the Limp Biscuit set. But Limp Biscuit, that, that energy during that, that was probably the most intense energy, obviously. I mean, it's been well documented on right. that. You know, he just, it was the right place, right time. I honestly don't think Fred or any of those guys intended for it to go the way it did. It's just that was the energy. I think it was just very organic. Were you noticing in, in like a, a big change in in people, like like in the, in the way the crowd was acting, like during that? Those Absolutely. Three 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course, you know, that was probably the most intense, you know, several hours of the whole weekend. But people were already aggro. You know, people that had sensibility about them, they were already pissed off about the, the flooded porta potties. They were already broke or down to little bits of money. You know, they had like one water bottle the whole day. You know, they might have made it over to the PT areas where, um, you know, where the base had the PT areas set up. But by then, the faucets were already broken off. They were already geysing out. And um, I still have a Gatorade bottle that I filled with water from one of those things. And uh, I sealed it up because when I got it home, you know, once I got back home or whatever, I saw the little bits of fecal matter floating around in that water that came out of a spigot. So you have like a fucking Woodstock 99 specimen. Yes, I do. Um, it's all sealed crazy. up. I oh yeah, you. that bitch is all locked up. It's at my mom's in like the middle of nowhere, Florida, and it shed. belongs it's in a museum, years, dude. It belongs it's, in a museum. It's going one day. I'm when I never get my ass up there. I'm gonna go up there and go through all that stuff. And I have like literally a bin full of stuff from that weekend. Oh my god! I have my dirty socks. I still have some mushrooms left, and they're what? disintegrated. Still got like weed in there, you know. And I know it's all disintegrated. I used to have like a shrub line to the event um and so i had this uh framed picture of me the, in the front page of the newspaper standing in front of the bonfire right um, it's, it's a it's the, a legendary photo by the way oh i know and and you know i argued with my friends I said, that's not me that's not me and they both were like no dude that's fucking you look at look at everything and we've tried to disprove it so many times and it's no it's me there's there's no, no way. way it is at me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's and amazing. I can remember clearly, you know, cause we're kind of getting a little forward, but I can r clearly remember standing in front of that fire when that picture was taken. I don't remember the picture being taken because obviously it was a newspaper uh, photographer behind me. So I didn't actually see them. It's not like I posed for that. I was literally, you know, reaching up and thanking the universe for bringing me to this event, allowing me to finally check off one of my biggest bucket list things and was, you know, uh, kind of saluting my dad in honor of it, you know, like, this is for you, dad. Right. And, you know, the whole weekend and everything, because he would have been proud of me for that one, but um, <laughs> for that whole weekend. But, uh, you know, so that and, and that, that picture being iconic is just it's like, wow, you know, it's hard for me to convince people it's me, you know, a lot of times they look at me like I'm stupid when I tell these stories. And there's so many things I'm skipping. You know, because um, obviously press for time. I can go on for hours with stuff that well, I, I mean, saw. anything that pops up, you know what I mean? I mean, you know. right. And, and I'm kind of all over the place with it because, you know, um, uh, just trying to put all this together. I totally forgot you guys were calling today till about 30 minutes before you called. I'm like, oh, shit, I got this interview today. I was still thinking the fifth. But um, so, you know, as far as Saturday goes, um, after Limp Bizkit, after Rage and Metallica, I can remember. You know, we were me and my buddy Mish, my friend Eric, he didn't want to see Metallica, I guess. It's just not his style of music. And um, uh, me and Mish hung around Michigan. We, we hung around up there by the by the stage a little bit after Metallica left. I think they got off the stage at like three thirty in the morning or something. They played way past where they were supposed to. And I guess uh, the city of Rome made them shut down. They were going to keep keep going for a while. But um, I can remember after they left and the fireworks are going off. That's when I snapped pictures of that car, like flipped upside down or whatever with the doors ripped off of it. This was a car that was on a mosh pit. I tell people, you don't know mosh pits till you've been to Woodstock 99 and you see automobiles <laughs> in the pits destroyed. 
Yeah, that's Zach fucking crazy. Pit. Yeah, and I think for a little bit, a few of the songs I got into that, um, I was also uh, uh, nursing a, a blown-out knee I had from a surfing accident. So I wasn't really trying to get too in there, but I did get in there for a couple of the songs, and it was intense. I can tell you, again, I've been to a lot of metal stuff. You know, back in the early 90s, we had uh, Clash of the Titans and stuff like that, which was like Slayer, Anthrax, Megadeth, all those kinds of shows. Right. And they were intense as hell. But I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that Metallica show was the most intense, bar none. Were you period. seeing, like, other people in the crowd, like, having a, a harder time than you were, like, being carried out and, and all that stuff? Absolutely. So many people. You know, mostly guys, of course. Um, now, I, during this time, I guess is when a lot of the bad shit happened with the girls, and I don't condone any of that shit. I swear, had I seen anybody doing that, I would have beat those guys to fucking death for touching any woman that didn't want to be touched. Now, I will say this on the other side of the coin, and I'm not trying to to sound like sure or anybody like that, but there was a lot of women that walked around promiscuously and they were on stuff and things happen and it's wrong. It's really bad. Um, again, had I seen any of that with my own eyes, I would have beat the hell out of everybody right. doing it anything seems to like, anybody. It seems like it was kind of a perfect storm in the sense that you it had was. a lot of guys there that didn't respect or even understand no. the vibe of a big open air concert thing. And then you had a lot of women that really wanted to, you know, take in the complete Woodstock experience. So when you have a bunch of people that, are expressing themselves openly and freely, maybe for the first time or not having too much experience in places like this. Right. And then you have a bunch of guys who literally just take that as an open invitation because they've never had experience at places like this. You're going to get this awful, you know, mixture of things that happened. Right. And again, somebody that came from Daytona beach, not trying to brag, cause there's really nothing to brag about, but I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot. And when you, when you're somebody that's already kind of, um, tempered for that kind of environment, you know, you're a little more resolved. You're a little more restricted in how you act. But a lot of these kids, a lot of these young guys, they had never been around shit like that. And so to see that, I think they really lost their minds, right. you know, beyond, beyond what I think even a lot of them wanted to. I think a lot of them, you know, I read posts and things and comments and stuff. <clears throat> and I can see a lot of guys, you know, say the way they'll, they'll, They'll say things like, you know, how I was then, you know, it's definitely not who I am now. You know, I was definitely out of my mind and I was definitely, you know, this, that or the other. So I will say those three bands, they did ignite. I'm not putting any blame, but they did ignite a, a, a much more intense, violent energy over the whole scene. And so when you say people carried, yeah, there was a lot of people carried out. There were people with twisted ankles and you know, blown out shoulders, bloodied noses and stuff like that. But again, that was just all par for the course from where I'm from. That's just, you know, you get in the pit, you're going to get, you're going to get stomped. It's just part of it. You know, definitely get up and help each other. But I mean, it's going to happen. Yeah. And the more so, people yeah. there are, you know, the, the harder it is to take care of each other. And, you know, I'm sure you noticed that there was a lot of people whose, you know, first rodeo it was and they didn't really understand the, the ethics. They didn't of, know how to control know. themselves right. in that kind of environment. And, you know, so, you know, we were shaking our heads a lot, like, oh, my God, I can't believe how stupid these guys are. Or look at that person or, 
you know, does she not realize that the way she's dressed is going to get her in trouble, you know? And again, there's no blame. Your people are there to have a good time and to, and to, you know, show off. But, you know, you got to kind of, got to kind of do your math before you go into it and say, okay, I don't think I need to act this way. Right. Well, and again, and, you know, there's and- no blame on any woman at all, at all. Cause there's no, no rhyme or reason for any guy to ever grab any female in any way that that female doesn't want to be grabbed by you. Absolutely. Period. Yeah. No, yeah, well, well said. And I feel like there was, you know, it's Woodstock, so there was an air of like, well, this kind of thing won't really happen here because it's Woodstock. But, exactly. But that's, you know, that was the misconception that I think everyone that went had, you know, because nothing, exactly. nothing really went the way that a Woodstock idealistically should have gotten, you know. You nailed it on the head. You know, everybody, including myself and, you know, the two guys I was with, we had a different idea what we were going to. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't a good time and it wasn't what it was for that time period, that era, because it was. But, um, you know, I think everybody went into those gates initially thinking this is going to be totally free love, just, you know, the whole 69 vibe that they kept wanting to reenact that you can't reenact, especially in 1999. You just can't. Everybody in 69, they had a reason to be there. They were they were, you know, um, standing up against Vietnam, against, you know, all the civil rights things that were going on and and, you know, the death of Martin Luther King, all those things that were going on in that era. People had a reason to be there in that group and show um, this this unity through music, whereas 94 was a little bit of that. There's a little bit of both, but 99 was completely the opposite end of it. The world just wasn't in it. We didn't have anything to, to stand in unity for. Yeah. You know, it, you know and I think yeah, it's exactly it's like the what are you rebelling against? What do you got kind of a thing? Exactly. So I think everybody throughout the weekend as it went on, it became this rebellion against the establishment. And that's been said many times. You know, I think people just were that was our our moment of solidarity was saying, fuck you, capitalism, fuck you, commercialism, fuck you for for bringing us here and, um, you know, making us pay out our ass for a damn bottle of water and then restricting everything we do, every movement by putting us on this tarmac you know i mean it it was awful as far as that goes it was the furthest thing from what 69 was and and definitely miles away from what 94 was so and i missed 94 i wanted to go to 94 badly i had my i had everything all my ducks in the row my ride my ticket everything but the girl i was seeing at the time she just was not about it so you know, oh, okay, baby, I won't go. Boy, I kicked myself in the ass for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope it was worth it. But uh, Yeah, no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, so now, so it's Saturday night, Metallica's done, you know, the, the, the what, what happens after that? I mean, did you guys just go to bed or did you, did you walk well, around some more or what kind of crazy things on, are happening? Again, you know, we kind of passed by the hangers again and we noticed that like the rave was really going off and I'm going again, passing by going, God, I could just feel it drawing me in. Like this is the only part of this whole weekend that's like totally what i want you know what i came for <clears throat> but again you know the two guys i was with they weren't into that and i was pretty tired by then i'd just gotten out of the metallica mosh pit so i'm like you know we're making our way back towards the tents kind of walking around now yes man again being a beer drinker we always had to find the beer tent we always had to find so it was always a big journey to get to the beer tent get some beers and then 
head on to wherever. So we milled about. I, I don't remember a lot after that because, you know, again, super tired. It was by the time we got back to the tents, it was already like four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. And we knew the sun was coming up in like an hour or two and the heat was going to be on us. So we kind of went ahead and, and made our way back to the tents and chilled and party with some neighbors around and stuff like that. Got to know people that way. Um, you know, buying merchandise along the way because Eric had money. He was the only one that had money on the whole trip. Right. So that's when we got our T-shirts some bumper stickers and all that stuff. Um, but by then, you could definitely feel the vibe beginning to change dramatically. A lot of people were already pissed off. Now, a lot of people were leaving, too, after Metallica. They just pretty much went ahead and, and packed up and headed out. And they were probably the ones that, that were the smartest. But for me, I had to see Willie Nelson the next day. So I wanted to make sure that I, I got some rest and, and made my way over there Sunday morning um, to see him. Because, again, you know, at a very early age, I won't delve too much into it because I don't want Willie in trouble. But at a very early age, I got to smoke weed with Willie. So it was right. like a big <laughs> thing for me yeah, to go nostalgic. see Willie. And that was like my definite, you know, here's to my dad. You know, thank you for introducing me to all this stuff. And I'm here in this awesome event even uh, even as dirty and violent as it was i was still stoked i was still on cloud nine and um my in sunday morning we got up my two buddies they went to the car to go start taking things already to the car and to charge up batteries for the uh for the camcorder and all that and i went and saw willie did the willie thing you know got as close to the stage as i could and and that was probably the closest I got to the stage, to that main stage the whole weekend was during his set. And then I pretty much spent most of the time at the other stage from then on out, Godsmack and Seven Dust and all those other bands I was really into right. at the time. And Godsmack, I'll say, was one of the bands that put on a damn good show, a really good show. Now, when you wake up on Sunday after having, you know, this insane Saturday, arguably like, you know, like the craziest, like high energy day, minus all the Sunday night stuff, uh, like what did the place look like? Did it look like it was all tore up? And I mean, being that Oh my God, it was awful. It was terrible. I mean, garbage everywhere. The wind would blow just massive mounds of trash would blow like tumbleweeds across the tarmac. <laughs> And, you know, all the fence, all the chain link fences had like, you know, cups stuffed in where they spelled things out and mostly against the establishment and stuff. And you could see people are now more zombified. You know, they're definitely anybody that stayed were just totally like, oh, and um, now during my time over Willie and they were over there charging the stuff. Here's where our part of the story really kind of comes into play. And um, I guess at some point we were over by the wall and Michigan wanted, uh, you know, we're standing next to a Grateful Dead mural that was done on the peace wall. And from the inside of the the uh, wall, I guess one of the porta potty trucks had backed into it and had knocked a, a good size hole. You know, the 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 place where they put the hose up that that round spot there is right. a little over the, you know, uh, I would say it was smaller than a basketball, but bigger than a softball size hole. And there were splinters and Michigan was like, you know, looking around like, you know, I want to take a little sliver of this with me as a souvenir, especially from the Grateful Dead mural, you know, cause that was a big thing for both him and I. And I can remember Eric saying, and I hope we don't get in trouble for this. Uh, I remember Eric saying, fuck that. We've paid enough to be here, dude. You want a piece of this fucking wall? Take a piece. So he, like, 
yanks a piece of the wall and people <laughs> see him do this. Now, this is when the wall began to come down. Oh my it, God. Things start in a ripple. I believe everything in life is a ripple. It starts in one little spot. So here's this one little thing just by pulling this sliver of wood off and pulling this. I'm not saying that some shit wasn't already tore down or whatever, but the wall hadn't uh, officially started coming down until that moment. <clears throat> People see him yank that out. They start yanking pieces. Eric starts directing. Uh, you can see some of the video. He's chanting, tear down the wall, tear down, and all this stuff. <laughs> and and this just amplified all the way around that whole thing. So we kind of were a part of why that all started. Wow. And, you and, know, I, I'm pretty sure the statute of limitations is up on that. I don't think you have to worry about so, anyone coming after you. About it. <laughs> we we hid the stuff until we got called to do, do the documentary. Um, back in November, you know, everything has been hush-hush. We've kept everything locked up, everything's put away, just because we didn't want to get in any trouble right. because of that. Now, um, so we know that's how that part of that started. And as the weekend went on, or as the day went on, you could just see it coming down more and more and more destruction happening. And I'm kind of like, oops, you know, you kind of started some shit there, Eric. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, who me? No, I didn't start nothing, man. These people are doing it. You know, Eric defending himself. I'm like, dude, yeah. <laughs> it's all because of you, bro. And um, so we can go, uh, the day goes on. I don't remember what they did a lot of, because I remember I finally broke off. I'd finally gotten my bearings enough that I'm like, okay, I feel confident enough. I can go see bands and things that I want to see on my own. I was still on that search for, you know, the Woodstock girl and all that, you know. And um, <clears throat> I can remember at one point, here's a little backup story. I think it was during Kid Rock set. We were sitting there and we were passing doobies back and forth. And my buddy, Mish, he's pretty, you know, He's older and da da da, and he he's not gonna fall for stuff so easily. So these girls were sitting next to us, and they see us pass this doobie. And uh, mind you, we still have a lot of weed. Right. <laughs> so I'm thinking, well, you know, why not? These girls want to get high with us. Hey, here's three girls, three guys. We haven't met no one yet. Let's you know share a little. Yeah, summer of love. What happens? You know, break some ice. And so I go to pass the doobie, and Mitch is like. No, they can go get their own. Go get your own. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and I'm like, the dad, Dude. the dad of the group. Yes, he was very much so. Very much so. Like, like, no, they can go get their own. I'm like, dude, these are three hot young women here. You know, come on. <laughs> We're See, all and, single guys. And, you Let's... know, I love hearing this, though, because this is something that you don't really hear. It's like people were meeting each other there. Like, yes, yeah. there, oh, was, yeah. there, there was tons of non-consensual, like, assault, illegal, awful shit. But people did have this, like, people idealistic weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. And sure. there, there, are, there are couples that are still together that met there that weekend. Yeah. You know? And I was hoping to be one of those, you know, I'm happily married now. I got a wonderful wife and, and you know, everybody's journey in life gets you to where you are today. So I, don't, I can't regret not meeting anybody because I wouldn't be where I'm at. Of you course. know what I mean? Yeah, no, I got Who you. knows what could have happened, you know? Um, but, but at the same time, Sunday, I'm like, okay, I'm branching off from these guys. I'm going to go have a good time. I got one day left to this event. I am going to go have a good time. So that's when I broke off. I went and saw Seven Dust. I caught a, uh, a two-liter bottle of Pepsi, full two-liter bottle of Pepsi, hit me in the back of the head. Now, I can't remember. It was uh, Seven Dust or Godsmack. I can't remember which one it was. 
and I can remember, I mean, somebody threw up from way back. It hit me totally in the back of the head. I remember picking it up and like an idiot, because I think about it now and think, man, who, who, who did I hit with that bottle when I chucked it back? Right. You know, and I yeah. chucked it back as far as I could. And I'm hoping I didn't hit anybody with it because I, I would hate that. Um, but yeah, you know, it was just that kind of mentality was going you on, you know, between everybody. It, yeah. And yeah, you, know what? you know, if that's the worst thing you did all weekend, you did pretty good by a lot of standards. Yeah. You know? Well, for the most part, we're, we still haven't gotten to the to oh, Sunday night, that, but <laughs> this is true. I'm getting ahead as far yet. as violence on anybody or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't there to get in fights. I wasn't there to make an ass of myself or, or prove anything. I didn't need to. You know, right. I was probably one of the few people, again, that had been through so much already in his life, event wise and craziness wise. And this was just, you know, this is just another day. And um, but, yeah, that was probably the one time that I snapped and said, you know, fuck you and chucked it back. And I really hope to God I didn't hit some poor girl in the face or something with it. But um, aside from that, you know, um, the day was pretty good. I mean, a lot of people left, like I said, right after Metallica, a lot of the people that paid to get in, but by now the walls are down. So now you're seeing this new influx of all these people that have been sitting in the parking lot all weekend, dreaming of getting in. Now they're coming in and you can tell because they're fresher faces. They're clean people. They're not dirty, stinky or bags under their eyes. That's or, interesting. You know, you know Prozac I, I, shuffle, you know? Yeah. I, I never even th thought of that, that you would be able to kind of tell. Like, oh yeah, like the second wind people, you know, <laughs> like the the folks that came in ready to. Do oh, something. you could totally tell because they were clean and they didn't have mud all over them. Now, and do, you, do know. you think that that had a lot to do with what ended up happening that night? Like, because I mean, obviously, if what you're saying is most people that were there all weekend were so wiped out, they wouldn't have had the energy to necessarily like bingo do, do all the crazy shit. So, do you feel like what the the nastier shit in the in the evening was really from the people that didn't pay to get in and they just came in they're like fuck it let's fuck it up you know what i think it's a little 50 50 because i can remember during the the anarchy it um there was a lot of people that had been there all weekend there were mud people there were people obviously you know women all they had on were shorts that's all they had that was it you know because they lost their tents you know they lost their tops they lost their shoes you know they come wearing open-toed you know, uh, flip flops or whatever. I mean, a yeah. lot of people ended up barefoot and you could tell those people, you knew those people cause it was obvious, <clears throat> but it was about 50, 50 as far as that goes. And I think having that fresher group come in, I think probably reinvigorated everything there towards the end and everybody was getting amped up cause now rumors are going around. Okay. They're going to do this massive, you know, ending to the show where they're going to bring, you know, members of the doors and members of, you know, the dead and members of this band and that band, whatever from 94 and da, da, da. And it was supposed to be this, how it was supposed to be all weekend, a nice blend of everything and kind of bringing it together in this nice little package. Um, so the rumor is already going around. They're already passing around those candles, those stupid candles, which I understand the meaning behind them. And I get it. And I'm not saying that was stupid, but it was stupid to hand out candles at yeah, sure. an event that was already chaotic, that was already destructive. Somebody somewhere in there should have, you know, said, oh, I don't think it's a good idea. Let's put all these things away. Um, now, uh, saw those bands and met back with the guys and we were going to, I don't remember who we saw together, uh, that day, but then Eric, yes, man, he wanted to go see Red Hot Chili Peppers 
And I'm a huge Megadeth fan, and I've seen the only band I've seen more than Megadeth is Grateful Dead. And um, so Megadeth uh, was our biggest draw to that other stage. So, you know, we worked our way over there. And um, uh, as we get, you know, as he's going along, we can kind of start to hear things off in the distance. Right. And even explosions and stuff. And um, I can remember, you know, partway through Megadeth set, about halfway through, starting to, to see the crowd becoming more and more and more. And, you know, we were pretty close to the stage for Megadeth, too. And um, getting kind of pushed up closer. And, you know, we had an arm length between you and the person in front of you or beside you or behind you. Um, it suddenly got to where you were like literally chest to back, you know, as far as the crowd and it got tighter and tighter. And, um, you're starting to see people come in with these stupid candles and all this stuff. We're like, why are you guys here with those for Megadeth? It's just like, you know, didn't make sense. Yeah. Those are chili pepper candles. Yeah. They were chili pepper (laughs) candles and it had nothing. And we were starting to wonder why, why were all these people coming over here for this? Cause you could tell it was a lot of people that wouldn't even be into Megadeth. And, um, you know, so as Megadeth goes on, I can remember towards the end, you know, that he did one last song and, and everybody thinks Red Hot Chili Peppers were the last band. They were not. The last band to actually play at a Woodstock was Megadeth. And the last song was Peace Sells, but who's buying? I mean, go figure. How ironic is that? Absolutely. Well, um, I mean, on both stages, it's ironic because the Chili Peppers last right. song was Fire. And then you have on Fire. the other stage, Peace Sells, who's buying? Yeah. Right. Well, whereas Chili Peppers, I think, kind of um, kind of organically said, OK, we're going to do this song because obviously they met with um, Jimmy's daughter or whatever. And she's like, could you do a song, you know, for my dad? And da, da, da. So I think that they kind of uh, genuinely fired that out at that moment. They made that decision, whereas I'm pretty sure Megadeth had already planned their set out and Peace Sells was already going to be their their ending song because that's, you know, the song everybody loves right. by them. Uh, not to say any of the others aren't, but, you know, that was like the big Megadeth song. So I can remember him stopping, Dave Mustaine stopping and saying, you see that yellow light? I've got five minutes to get the fuck off the stage, but I'm not leaving until we play this last fucking song and da 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 And it's Peace Sells, but who's buying? So by now, you know, during that, you could really, we could hear in the distance the explosions of the 18 wheelers blowing up and noticing the crowd getting tighter and getting more angstier. And once he got, he was done, everybody started, we were trying to make our, start making our way towards the other stage, the main one for this finale. We didn't know yet that all this had happened. And, um, Somewhere down the line, we ran into to Yes Man. I don't remember how we did that. It just kind of like there he was. And he told us what was going on. And we're like, oh, shit. So I'm thinking, okay, I could still hear the hangers. I say Megadeth was the last band to play, but I could still kind of hear the rave going on a little bit. And But I don't consider it. I'm not taking away from them, but I'm, I don't consider that like the last band to no, play. No, right. I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not ending yet. You guys go back to the tent. I'm going to go over here to this thing and I'm going to finally experience this thing that I've been putting off all weekend. And as we start going that direction, uh, we could see in the distance, the national guard or whatever, the police pushing everybody back and they got to there that shut down and that pissed off. I mean, you don't go interrupt, you know, 10,000, 20,000 ravers 
that have been doing nothing but raving for the last three days in this little utopia that they had in the middle of all this hell, you know, cause that, that just really pissed all them off. So then you got all them angry. Right. So they're all high on ecstasy now, no longer love and, and hugs and all this shit. Now it's like, you know, kill, you just screwed up our, the ending to our utopia. Right. So I was about to peak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> um, so we start making our way back towards the tent and we start gathering stuff. Um, we could see things were starting to get a little crazy. So we made the decision to put the camcorder up, put everything up, anything of value we hit away. Um, cause we could start to see it really getting out of hand. And as the night went on, it got more and more. I can remember us taking a break. We smoked. Um, I think I drank the most that night because I really didn't drink, you know, a lot of, of alcohol through the weekend. Um, a few beers here and there a shot or whatever, but you know, I think I started having a little more because I'm going, okay, this is winding down. I better get crazy a little bit here, <laughs> but being so reserved and show where I come from. And, um, so, you know, now me and Yes Man are walking around Mich Michigan, stay behind, stay by the tent. He, he wanted to watch things and just be there. I don't, he didn't want to get out in the craziness. He was, wise. he was, he was wiser and super tired so he didn't want to end he had to drive all the way back all the way back to florida <clears throat> so me and yes man go um you know wandering around and i can remember at one point we kind of got lost and i'm like let's follow these girls i'm still on that let's follow these girls thing and uh so we follow him and we got we ended up lost again couldn't find the beer tent whatever he's pissed off about that it's like the only time we argued the whole weekend and um next thing you know we kind of come up to this crowd of people you know, huge crowd of people chanting and all this. And we're like, what the hell's going on here? And it was the Ace Hardware uh, camping trucks. Oh. And, and I can remember walking up and the guys were trying to break the locks off the truck and they're swinging away and they just couldn't do it. So I walk up literally, swear to everything, walk up, say, give me that fucking hammer, that sledgehammer, and one whack, I broke that lock off. And this oh is my, my God, this is dude. my contribution to the chaos. And yes, man was like, he wanted glow sticks. That was like his thing frisbees and glow sticks. So, um, uh, we climbed, opened the door. We climbed up in there. We opened up the, 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 uh, the bay door there in the back and just started chucking out glow sticks and everything to people and, you know, throwing shit out. So there, there's my contribution to the chaos. Wow. But, and I still have glow sticks and frisbees and a sleeping bag and little Coleman, you know, LED, uh, uh, camp lights and all that stuff, man. I mean, I still got all that shit packed up. I had a tent for a long time. My ex-wife ended up taking that. That was collateral damage in the divorce, but <laughs> you're like, um, fuck it. I stole that anyways. Yeah. You know, but it still <laughs> pissed me off. Cause damn it. I had that. I used that tent one time ever. And, uh, we had spray painted all over the sides of it. You know, the next, I think Monday morning we opened it up or whatever. We spray painted a bunch of stuff, you know, fires and Woodstock and all this stuff, you know, uh, and then rolled it back up and it stayed in that bag for years and years and years wow. until, uh, until my ex-wife took it. But, but yeah, so we're walking around, uh, after we empty out the Ace hardware trucks, we got armfuls of shit that we're walking around so much stuff. It's falling out of our arms. And I can remember again, we got lost and, and I was trying to lead the way back. And I, we ended up in like knee deep sewage water <laughs> it was absolutely fucking nasty. And I remember, yes, man, was just red. This is a super pretty nonviolent person. And you can see the red in his face, you know, he was over it by this point. 
He right. had spent so much money. He had spent probably five grand that weekend. Between the tickets and everything, you know, everything added up, you know, yeah, he spent a shitload of money that weekend. Yeah, and, you know, no amount of uh, stolen Frisbees or glow sticks will make up for being knee-deep in human feces. No, and, you know, and, <laughs> again, I'm not saying it was right what we did, but we just fell into the chaos like everybody else. And once we got back to the tent, we kind of – uh, we put away what we still had, what we were able to get all the way back to the tent, because literally we dropped so much shit on the way. Um, and then we went out looking around more. I wanted to go out and check out because everybody's doing the drum circle stuff all over it. And it was the absolute anarchy by this point. Um, now we're seeing like ATM trucks melted in the ground like somebody stood there with a phaser gun. And and just melt it like a like it was wax. Wow. Um, oh, unbelievable did, shit. Did you that know? strike um, you as like? I mean, at any point in time, was it like scary or concerning, oh, or, or did it seem it to was. be kind of more like jovial, even though you knew it was like illegal shit that was happening? I won't say jovial. Um, that probably wouldn't be the word. Scary, yeah. Um, definitely was like, oh shit, this is really going down. This is true anarchy. And, um, you know, being a metalhead punk growing up in the 80s, you know, everybody with the big circle and A on their notebooks or whatever, you know, this was me living that, you know, going, (laughs) holy shit, I'm actually living anarchy right now. And, um, you know, I I won't say jovial because, again, you know, we're pretty fed up by that point, exhausted, tired ready to go home. I hadn't gotten laid. So I'm like, you know, I want out of here. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't mark, I didn't meet my goal. <laughs> well, wife would probably kill me after hearing this now. But. <laughs> Whatever. I mean, you were a kid, you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, and, it was 99. You know, uh, it's, it's just nice to know that, yeah, you had like the, the young man's ambition, but you didn't do anything like negative with that. You know no, what I mean? No, except breaking into the base hardware well, truck. I, I, I just know. mean like towards the girls that you were trying to oh, get. Oh, hell yeah. no. You know, I, I come from, you know, again, I grew up in a very open household and stuff, so I knew a lot about life long before most people ever could. And um, so I already had a good sense about me. And again, growing up in Daytona and the things I've seen, and, and I can tell those stories sometime if you ever want to call me, dude, I got stories about that. Yeah. We'll, but, we'll be doing that on, on our other show. Yeah. I mean, sure. wild ass shit. So, uh, for me again, it was just kind of the norm, you know, it was like, okay, I've experienced it. You know, I know not to act crazy. I know not to act stupid. First off, how do I know that I'm not grabbing some some dude's girlfriend or wife or whatever. And this guy's fucking seven foot tall, 300 pounds and knock me out and put me in my place and make me look like an idiot. You know what I mean? So, you know, you got this conscious going on that, Hey, you know, I'm not going to act this way. Even at 25, I was 25 at the time. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to act this way. And, and you know, I, I surfed all the time. So I already had like the golden bronze tan. There were plenty of women checking me out, but it wasn't like I was like trying to, pursue anything beyond you know if we got into talking or meeting or talking and i did we talked to a lot of people i talked to a lot of girls and you know where are you from and, and and tell where i'm from and of course everybody gets blown away oh you're from daytona beach you grew up in that town you know yeah that's my hometown because daytona so, was know, like the big mtv spring break like oh absolutely in the 80s time, dude yeah. you know i partied with the BC boys when license to ill dropped and they did the free concert at the band shell there. Uh, the album hadn't even been really big yet. 
And it really got huge because of spring break that year. But me and my buddy skipped school and went to the band show and we got by, got backstage and we were literally smoking pot and drinking beers with the Beastie Boys. I was that's like insane. 14 years old, dude. I mean, that, that's, that's, the, that's the shit I grew up in. Right. So for me, this was just another thing. So, yes, it was kind of like, oh, wow, I'm experiencing anarchy. But at the same time, I'm going, damn, this is the way it's going to go down. This This kind of sucks. You know, this isn't what I expected when I walked through the gates Thursday afternoon that I was going to be in the middle of anarchy and chaos and hearing about chicks. You know, now the rumors are going around about girls being raped, you know, and now I'm actually keeping an eye out like the big brother looking in tents walk, as we walk by tents. And you hear something going on, you know, somebody's getting busy. It's kind of like you stop for a second, not because you want to be a pervert and see what they're doing, but because you want to make sure that person is okay in there. So yeah, that big brother kind of came out a little bit more through that time period just because of that. But again, you know, you don't want to go sticking your nose in somebody else's business at the same time because you don't know what you're getting into when you're in this absolute anarchy. Who knows what could happen? Absolutely. So, yeah. so you know, we're walking around, we're seeing the bonfires and everything, people dancing around, beating on the everything they could find. I mean, it was just echoing throughout. And again, being to dead shows and being part of huge drum circles where there's 3,000 people in a drum circle in the parking lot of a dead show, you know, grooving out, this was like that but in a very maniacal sense you could just feel it in everybody the anger and the angst for whatever reason and yeah everybody had a reason to be pissed off over the weekend but i don't think people had enough reason to be that pissed off i think it was just a culmination of the 90s and everything coming to an end there and us being like okay we're gonna do just like the prince song and we're gonna party like it's 1999 and that's what we did Absolutely. We party like it was 1999. And, um, you know, by this point walking around and now I guess that's when the, 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 uh, picture was taken of me in front of the, you know, on the front page of newspaper at one of those points walking through that stuff. And, um, you know, eventually I think we made our way finally settled down about four 30 or five o'clock in the morning again. And, um, Mish was already out. He was already asleep. And uh, I think me and Eric had our last smoke and toast off to the whole thing as, as, you know, it began to thin out by this point. You know, everybody was pretty much exhausted, had done burnt everything, destroyed everything. There was nothing left. Right. You know, and I remember waking up the next day, Monday morning, and we didn't leave until about noon or one Monday, I think. Um, and I can remember just looking around at you know, tents and the power lines and, you know, and again, some of these people that left or that, that went to like Friday, went to see a, a, one of the gigs and never made it back. Surprising enough, enough, some of their stuff was still there where they placed it, you know, Friday. That's insane. I mean, yeah. You know, amidst all this chaos. So what did your buddy uh, think that, that, that decided to stay back? Now he wakes up for the first time, not having been part of any of that. And the whole place is fucking destroyed. (laughs) Yeah. We were telling him like, dude, you missed it, man. There was fucking this happened. We broke in the ace hardware trucks, all this. He's like, you dumb fucks, you know, he's the order (laughs) guy, you know, fucking dumbasses, you know, typical Michigan. And, um, you know, um, now uh, we, we were talking about, like like bathing and stuff like that. I can remember the only time I took a shower, I made my way to um, them kind of backing up a little bit here. Yeah, uh, I think it was Saturday. It was Saturday morning or, or it was before Kid Rock, I think, or maybe right after Kid Rock. 
and I don't remember exactly, but I know I, I went to go make my way back to go get a shower. And I'll never forget, I walked there um, uh, with a change of clothes and got there to the facility because it was like one spot and they had it had it uh, uh, kind of divided between the male and female side with like this black visqueen, you know, plastic visqueen used for painting or whatever. And, um, and I remember walking in there and standing in about ankle, a little higher than that, deep water with everything you can imagine condoms oh, fucking God, food throw up shit piss drugs everything and i remember i set my clothes down over on a shelf that they had over there and um i still have my skivvies i had a pair of uh spandex biking shorts on so i'm bathing myself with that stuff on and i look over and my fucking clothes are gone everything's gone Oh. So I had one pair of clothes that whole damn weekend, and that's what you see in that picture. That's how I know it's me as well, just because of the clothes that was on the guy. Like, those are my shorts. My shirt was tucked in. You know, that's my hat. And you can look at any of the pictures that, you know, I sent you guys some pictures. But without a doubt, it's it was me. So that picture was taken that uh, we told him about, you know, the bonfires, the melted ATM trucks, all that stuff. And then we gathered everything, took everything to the car, got in the car, um, I think either me or Yes Man sat on the hood of the car and we were filming some of the stuff you see at the end, the main stage in the distance with smoke smoldering up and all the trash and everything burnt down and, and just absolute just wreckage like a bomb had gone off there and um, or a tornado had hit. That's actually what it reminded me of, like a hurricane or a tornado. I've been yeah. through so many hurricanes in my life that it totally looked like that. Like wow. a hurricane had hit that Air Force base. Brutal. Yeah, it was it just, it was kind of sickening in yeah. some sense because you're like, man, this thing that I wanted so much in my life, my whole life growing up as a kid, all the way up to that point, I wanted, and this is what it is now. So it was kind of, um, it's kind of a somber moment. It really was. It kind of killed the buzz. It was the biggest buzz kill in my life, I'd have to say. I, I can uh, see that. That's actually really interesting. Um, now, afterwards, right? Like, so, uh, like, that day, let, let's say, you know, you, you guys get home. Now, all the news is starting to come out about what happened and the really bad stuff, like the, you know, reported sexual assaults and, and just, like, the property damage and all that. Like, was there anything that you saw in the news that you were like, that surprised you? you were like, oh, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Or did all of that stuff seem to make sense because you had just been immersed in so much of it? Well, you know, it did. I think the, the, the rapes are what got me the most. And, and at first I was a little bit objective to it saying, you know what, man, I watched a lot of girls walk around naked and guys grabbing them and them smiling and laughing and there was a lot of other stuff. You know, I've kind of been a little PG in this, in the sense that there were there were times I can remember walking around like Saturday night, especially closer to the rave area. You know, there was girl, you know, surrounded by numerous guys sucking all their dicks. I That's mean, insanity. Yeah, I mean, just crazy shit. Now, again, in my life, that was I won't say the norm, but <laughs> I, I was already kind of you know, uh, conditioned for that kind of stuff. So it wasn't like it, it, it blew my mind necessarily, but at the same time, I'm like, damn. So when I hear about this stuff the next day, 
in the news and all this stuff. And a lot of it we didn't know until we got back to Daytona and right. everybody was telling us stuff, all of our friends, because, you know, we had like a, a big welcome back. You survived Woodstock. Welcome back, you know, kind of party. We had a kegerator and shit. And again, we lived across the street from the beach. So we were like the house that everybody came to. Um, so they're telling us all this stuff, you know. So I can't really say like that very next day we we heard a lot of it. But I did hear about the rapes and stuff like that. And I was I was definitely like shocked. I was like, oh, my God, you know, uh, you know, and I remember, like I said, being big brother and kind of looking and listening. But I didn't necessarily see anybody getting raped because had I seen them, I'd be in prison today for killing the guy that was doing it or guys, you know. Cause I right. Well, and, and, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people there, you know, I mean, while like, for instance, though, but I mean, like you just, you know, like you mentioned that you did see, you know, girls getting grabbed and stuff. And like oftentimes it'd be laughed off. I mean, who knows if that was just a nervous reaction yeah. to to that. You yeah, know, and again, you're right. You're right. You know, how do you so, react to something but, but like that? Also, I mean, I feel like that kind of thing was so prevalent there that it didn't really register that oh that's like that's actually a, a, a sexual assault until with yes. you know until retrospect right 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 absolutely you know i didn't grab a single titty the whole time i was there right well thank there god there were plenty <laughs> of them there were plenty of them it was all around you know but i i you know had better resolve i knew not to act that way first off you don't act that way with a woman anyway that's not going to get you anywhere Right. It's going to make it look like a fucking idiot unless she's just absolutely so ob obliterated out of her mind on ecstasy or something that then she might. But but even then, no now, now the it's going to be like, yeah, hey, I want that guy because he yeah. grabbed my tit. You know, right. Yeah, exactly. And I, again, I feel like a, a lot of that stuff didn't really register to people seeing it happen, that it was really, really bad. You know what I mean? Until again, with hind hindsight's 2020, where it's like, oh, like right. maybe they were just laughing because they were so nervously uncomfortable that like exactly. just, it's easier to let this shit fly and move on than to get really mad or try and draw attention to this guy that just did this thing so casually, you know? Yeah. Well, they didn't want to look like, you know, um, sour pusses anyway, so to speak. They, they, you know, who wanted to be the bad guy, you know? Oh, don't touch me. You know, nobody wanted to be like that. So, you know, a lot of it slid, but every single one of those groups was sexual assault. Absolutely. When you look back, it's like, wow, man, you know, and I've watched some of that stuff and I was actually in tears. Uh, uh, I watched the HBO documentary. And when the guy told the story of the 13, 14 year old girl in the um, in the EMT truck yeah. and the guy being shirtless, you know, you when you're hearing this story, you're initially thinking, OK, this is a wild story about even the EMT guys getting crazy. No, this was like a really sad story. And it really choked me up big time. And right. then, of course, the guy that died that was with his buddies there who didn't do a drug, didn't drink, didn't do anything and died at that event. That broke my heart too. I really did. Right. Uh, I, I feel for that guy's family. Yeah. All that. I, I think it is interesting though, being, you know, you, you being someone that was there and a lot of the other people that we've talked to, you know, they, for the most part, you know, most of the people that we talked to had a good time, saw a lot of good music, might have like seen some crazy shit here and there, but only afterwards do they start to realize how heavy it really was, Right. you know, because exactly. you're so into doing your own thing and being at Woodstock that you're right. not paying attention to all this stuff. And then to hear it all, you're like, Oh shit. Like, I mean, that shit was just completely happening all around me, but it just wasn't something that you're necessarily privy to. Right. Right. It wasn't necessarily. And again, you know, that many people and that much stuff going on, 
it's kind of hard to necessarily stare in one direction, you know, it's just so much chaos going on. And I don't mean just the last night, but I mean, just the event in, in its whole, um, you know, I, for me, it was overwhelming. And you're talking to a guy that's been to Daytona 500s again with hundred thousand people or more dead shows of 200,000 people, a lot of other big festivals and things um, that I've been through. And, you know, even for me, it was just like overwhelming. So to really kind of pinpoint and say, oh, that guy's doing that to that girl, you know, I should go put a stop to this. It just, nobody, that, that kind of thought just didn't register in people's minds. There were a lot of fights that happened because somebody grabbed some guy's girl's tit or ass or something. And yeah, there were, there was a lot of scuffles. You know, I can remember a lot of fights happening. But, um, That's interesting. We, yeah. we, we've never really heard anyone say that they saw people oh, yeah. actually fighting. Oh, yeah. There was there was definitely fights that went down there. You know, and, and again, you know, being a part of that, you just kind of laugh. You know, somebody's going to get their ass beat today. Right. You know, you know, don't do that. You know, and of course, Mitch, dumb fuck. You know, that was yeah. probably his number one number. You know, his main two words the whole weekend was dumb fuck. Right. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear their their perspectives. Get the whole uh, 360 view of uh, your guys. Oh, absolutely. Weekend. And but, they uh, may have stuff and they may, you know, tell stuff uh, I don't remember or they might correct me on timelines or this, that. And because, again, you know, we're talking 20 something years ago now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, uh, no doubt. So. Yeah. Well, man, I, I think on that note, we're going to we're, we're going to snip it off here. But this has been fucking awesome. I'm definitely going to have yes, you on our other you. show. To, Absolutely. To talk stuff. I'll, I'll be sharing that picture, the legendary photo of you, also uh, with your permission. Some of the other pictures. Oh, that you absolutely. Sent over. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not looking for fame, fortune, nothing out of it. I just have stories to tell, and I love that I can actually tell them now on a big platform. And to, and there's a lot more to it. You know, again, you, I, I, and I apologize. I forgot you guys were doing this today. I do apologize for bouncing around, and and there are still parts of it I could tell that'll hit me later. Like, damn it, I didn't tell that part, or well, damn so it, I didn't tell that part. Feel free to text so, me or email me anytime with sure. any of this stuff, Nordog. It's been awesome Absolutely. talking to you, and I'm sure we'll talk Same soon. Same here, brother. And uh, t take it easy, all right, man? Hey, you too, bro. Be good out there and be safe, man. Be safe, and let's hope to God that's not the last one, and we can all get to enjoy another one sometime down the road when we don't burn it down. <laughs> yes, ab absolutely. All right, man. Well, I'll talk soon. All right, brother. See ya. Peace. Well, that was fantastic. What a um, what a memory. First of all, for being someone that smoked a duffel bag full of doobies, you know, and again, yeah, the pictures are legendary uh, of Nordog there. So we'll be sharing th th that stuff. Hopefully we'll get yes, man and Mish on the show in the future. But as always, if you went to worked at or played Woodstock 99, contact us at podcast 99 official at gmail.com or on Instagram at podcast 99. I'm Ryan Lichten and I'll see you at Woodstock.